We're talking AEW All Out 2020 on the Double Turn Podcast, and it's starting in three, two, one. Very good evening to everybody that's listening at whatever time of day, whatever time of night. You might be even listening to us at 3 o'clock in the morning while you're taking a dump. This is the Double Turn Podcast. What's going on? It's the J-Man coming at you. Unfortunately, due to tremendous technical difficulties that were completely out of our control, Boss Ross is, was unable to join us this evening, and it absolutely breaks my heart. Obviously, um, my co-host, my, my colleague, my confidant extraordinaire, um, my right hand man and I am his. Um, so wishing my buddy Ross all the best and hopefully he'll be back with us uh, next week um, where he is not having any technical difficulties. Uh, I tried to do this show by myself and I ran in through 10 minutes worth and then I stopped and said, can't do it by myself. Made a call. I got a buddy who came in late inning uh, pinch hitter bottom of the ninth with the bases loaded. The thunderous wizard, Tom, from Hops and Box Office Flops, helping me out. What's going on, my brother? I, uh, I had retribution uh, monkey with uh, Ross's electronics, so I could come <laughs> in here tonight and talk about my favorite wrestling promotion, AEW. Oh, my and goodness all gracious. Out. Oh, my goodness gracious. I, I, Tom was aching at the bits. He was texting me all week long about the show. He loved several things. There were things that him and I both said were wrong, and we're going to get into it right right away here. Before we do that, let's go ahead and plug in our socials. Um, Tom, I will go ahead and let you plug Hops first, and then I'll go ahead and plug in the rest of TDT for me, brother. Where can they find Hops? Talk to them about Hops and how great you guys are and the fact that we're talking Dukes next week on your show. Yeah, so uh, Hops and Box Office Flops on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, at Hops and B.O. Flops. You can talk wrestling with me on Twitter, at WriterTLK. Tomorrow, we're dropping Wild Wild West on the pod, or Friday, whatever day. Uh, so look out for Wild Wild West. Then we're doing Idiocracy. Then we're welcoming the, the Double Turn guys back on for the Dukes of Hazard with Johnny Knoxville and uh, Sean William Scott. Will be an awesome time. For sure, dude. Looking forward to that. Obviously, uh, we went ahead and uh, did a super podcast uh, back in May. We did Lethal Weapon 4, and we needed to do it again. And we're going to continue these frequent collabs. So I appreciate you coming on, man. Late, again, last minute, literally 6.45 p.m. I was like, yo, dude, help me out. You were like, I'm there. Give me give me two hours. And you made it. Um, you can find the Double part, double Turn Podcast on Instagram at the Double Turn Podcast. You can find me, the, the one and only J-Man19. Of course, Ross at Boss Ross, or Ross the Real Boss 85. You can find him at Boss Ross TDT on Twitter. Um, you can find the Double Turn Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, um, Stitcher, Radio Public, Breaker, the Anchor app, CastBox, Pocket Cast, and there's probably a few more that I just don't know at this point, but we're trying to go ahead and broadcast it out as much as possible. This is going to end up being, I believe, episode 127. Um, and Ross and I had the pleasure of being able to celebrate two years last week, and we're going to do our special two-year episode next week where him and I will be discussing some of our favorite tag team matches of the last 20 years 
we're super duper pumped for that all wwe related but that doesn't take away from the fact that there are some absolute stunners of classics within those 20 years and we can't wait to bring them to you um but for now we are talking all elite wrestling all out 2020 now for those people who listen to tdt um, you know that this is for the most part a WWE-centric podcast, but we do talk a good amount of All Elite Wrestling. At least we try to. And we knew that with AEW's All Out coming, we needed to go ahead and do a show where it was completely centric towards this pay-per-view. And here it is. Um, what were your overall – what was your overall thoughts on All Out, Tom? Like, what, what did you think? Um talk to the people okay so this was a show that demonstrated the immense potential of AEW but also the sort of naivete of a promotion that is in its infancy Mm. Uh, when it when it reached its highs it was incredible at its lows it was sort of like hard to believe they were a real professional promotion and not some uh amateur and bingo halls yeah state promotion you know right with with guys touring who are never going to make it big like they made some really strange decisions mainly with matt hardy Mm -hmm. that i could not believe that happened and then the twitter after it happened was even worse you're a professional promotion you have to own Mm -hmm. up this was it was a mistake you messed up you messed up bad you, you know it's really bad when Matt Hardy's wife is completely trashing you on Twitter. And, and, and she, she, her husband works directly in this promotion, and she is taking shots at it galore and shots at the president of the company. Like, it's, it, it wasn't pretty, and we'll get into that. Um, I, for the most part, echo those thoughts. I was watching – okay, first of all, I'm going to be completely honest with you. It took me three days to get through All Out. Um, this was a re I don't know if it was the fact that it was a really long show, Tom, or if it just because some matches were so hard to get through that it made it feel like a longer show. I looked and not including the buy-in, which was Joey Janela versus Serpentico, and I believe the best friends versus um uh yeah, no, the best friends versus the private party versus the dark order, excuse me. Um I think clocking in, it was just a bit over a three hours and 45-minute show. It was a long show. I watched the segments, too. Uh, Even though I bought it and Mm -hmm. I intended to watch it live, as soon as I missed it live uh, and I tried to start it, like, go back, which, you know, BR Live, you got to get that figured out because the beauty of WWE Network is you can start from the beginning. For sure. And when the show's over, you can go straight to the matches, whatever. They'll figure that out. But. And, not to ma- and not to mention the fact that you pay $10 a month as opposed yeah. to f- f- dropping 60 bucks on a pay-per-view. It's hard, man. So I watched the first half, mm-hmm. about the first half, about probably the first hour and a half. And I was like, oh, man, this could not be going worse. And then when I finished, I'm like, okay, I had some time to digest what didn't work. And now I'm really happy I just watched the good portion and I wasn't sort of weighed down by the stuff I, I wasn't liking so much. But yeah, it was long, like, and it felt long. But at the same time, the good matches didn't feel long, even though they were. So like MJF, Moxley didn't mm-hmm. feel long to me because they told a really good story. I thought it was a good match. I thought the announcers sold it well. Yeah. But three hours and 40 minutes, like, 
I mean, it's too much. We, if we're going to take a dump on WWE for giving us four, four and a half hour pay-per-views, man, listen, three hours and 45 minutes, it's, I'll excuse it if it, if it's paced well. And there were times for All Out where I didn't feel it was necessarily paced all that well. There were matches that I thought went too long that I was just like, yo, this match still isn't over yet. And then there was matches that I thought were incredibly well-timed that I was like, oh, that's it? And then I look and I was like, oh man, they went 18 minutes. All right, cool. Uh, I mean, that I, I was able to enjoy it. Um, I don't want to give too much time to the um, buy-in matches because again, they were the pre-show. You had Joey Janela beating uh, uh, Serpentico and then you had uh, Private Party beating uh, two members of the Dark Order, um, which is all in all, well, I guess, you know, hopefully Private Party kind of gets their their wheels rolling a little bit in the tag team division because after Ross and I have talked about this at length over the past few months, private party. And he says this all the time, private party got over in one night by beating the young bucks. And then from that point they've done, they've virtually done nothing. Um, And that is something that should change hopefully. But at the same time, this is what happens when you have the opposite of what's going on in the world wrestling entertainment, that your tag team is your tag team division is stacked to the kills. Like this is far and away the best tag team, the best tag team division on the planet. Like there, nobody comes close to this tag division. It is utterly insane how good this tag division is. Yeah. It's tough for them because obviously I, I agree with, with Ross. They got over it by beating the bucks in the tag team tournament to kick off AEW. It's a huge <laughs> upset. I think uh, everyone sort of believed, even though, if you thought about it a little bit, you had to figure the Bucks weren't going to be the inaugural tag champs because that really wouldn't have looked great for the company. Right. To have wouldn't look great for the them company. too, yeah. Yeah, so at least they also had the foresight to put private party over. But then they sort of – they were on TV and then off TV. Now, the big thing is not only is their tag team division deep, you have two hours of TV mm-hmm. to squeeze all this stuff in. And I don't know what kind of numbers Dark does, but – I don't, it's obviously not as good as the actual show. You know, they hit a right. million viewers this week. Yeah, I know. That was the which, third time that that's happened in 2020. It's a yeah. shout out to them. Listen, man, I'll, I'll be completely 100% honest with you. More power to them. Um, and I'm not going to go ahead and sit here and be like, oh, you know, they're not hitting raw numbers and blah, blah, blah. Here's the, here's the skinny, man. You had people, you had 830,000 people watch NXT and you had a million people watching Dynamite. That's nearly 2 million people watching professional wrestling on a Tuesday and on a Wednesday night. And then you add in the near 2 mil for Raw and then 2 mil plus for SmackDown. All in all, you've got nearly 5 million people watching professional wrestling on a weekly basis. I'm here to tell you, pro wrestling is doing just fine. You, you just don't worry about the war, that the war is stupid. Worry about the fact that pro wrestling is thriving right now. And that's all that matters to me. Yeah. I, so putting them in the pre-show, at least they were on the show. Yeah. Uh, and it was fine. I think the, the I don't even know the, the mass members of the Dark Order. I know that they wrestled before. But they're good wrestlers. Yeah. So Alex, they usually Reynolds, put on, Alex Reynolds and John Silver is who wrestled. Yeah. They put on good matches. And they work well with, with Private Party. So all in all, good way to start the show. Although there was match, it was that it was better than on the show. So if you think about it, they could have easily been on the pay per view portion. I agree uh, with you one hundred percent. 
Um, to answer your question, I'm looking on the YouTube channel for All Elite Wrestling, AEW Dark, episode number 50, which is the one from this past week, um, September the 4th. Um, it did 294,000 hits on YouTube. So if, you're, if you add, what, anywhere between 200 to 300K per hour, dude, those are some serious numbers. And then you add in WWE's YouTube channel numbers, which are mind-blowing how like, they're hitting like two to three million per segment. And then yeah. people get mad at the fact that, oh, the demo, the demo. It's like you look at their YouTube channel. People are watching it on YouTube, guys. Like, calm down. Yeah. Um, a lot of the stuff I hate in WWE, the reason it continues to happen is because it kills on YouTube. Uh, Lana, Rusev, and Bobby Lashley. Ashley. Yep, was like everybody on YouTube loved it. I thought it was absolutely atrocious. I couldn't wait until it, I never had to see it again. But people loved it, so what didn't help Rusev in WWE. But uh huh, which we'll get to. We'll yeah. get to where 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 Mr. Rusev is right now because I'm actually pretty stoked about that. But I'm very excited. So you made a you made an interesting comment that I wanted to go ahead and harp on to go ahead and start what happened at All Out. You talked about how a match that was on the pre-show was better than a match that happened to be on the main card. The match that started off this show originally was not on the main card. It was supposed to be happening on the buy-in. And then after some, I guess you could, I guess you could say some backlash. People wanted Britt Baker and Big Swole's tooth and nails match on the main card. And Tony Khan made that switch uh, like maybe eight hours before they went live um and it ended up opening the show let me ask you this one what did you think about that match two should it have been on the main card three what are your thoughts on Britt baker right now because i think it's fascinating that i'll I'll get i'll give you my thoughts after you answer those questions okay Uh, the match was terrible they both obviously can wrestle. I don't know how hurt Britt still is, or obviously most of it's a work, but uh, I can't imagine taking actual bumps is worse than taking bumps in a fake dentist office. So I, just, I don't know. It just didn't work for me. It was pretty lame. I didn't like it at all. I would have rather just seen them wrestle. Obviously, you could have had a weird stipulation thrown in, but having them sort of have a – short back and forth in a fake dentist office and you know it just didn't it wasn't a good street fight by any measure like if it's gonna be a street fight make a street fight if you're gonna do wrestling moves put in a wrestling ring i I, it was kind of mind-boggling to me like you build this up you build this up you build it up and it just fell flat i i was not a fan uh so it's hard for me to put the where Britt baker's at because i think she was like she was nailing it gets hurt. She's killing it on TV. She's great heel. Uh, This was just sort of not the way, in my opinion, to bring her back in a match that didn't really sell to me at all. I think think all of pro wrestling has gone a little overboard with these uh, matches where, oh, we're in a weird locale and uh, it's not an actual wrestling match and it's, we have all these cool different camera angles, but it's like, no, it has to be good. It has to work. I wasn't in on it. Well, you know, it's interesting that AEW still decided to go that route of making it quote unquote cinematic um, because they actually had fans 
at Daly's place, right? And so yeah. why not take advantage of the fact that – and they knew that they were going to have fans at Daly's place because they've had fans on Dynamite now three weeks uh, – two, yeah, two, three weeks running. So they could have – they could have just had this match and just make it a street fight on at Daly's place or make it a false count anywhere match, even though, of course, to be fair, they already had a broken rules match happening later on that evening. So you don't want to really have two uh, false count anywhere matches on the same card, but at least make it. Yep. I don't know. I mean, you big swole can go and so can Britt Baker. And again, maybe she's still hurt. Um, maybe that knee's not 100%, but I it was a really boring start to the, a really boring start to the pay per view and and it was it was terrible it was it really wasn't considering how big a deal people were making by the way uh, rightly so uh, if you have good women wrestlers on your in your promotion you should be doing your best to push them like don't just give us one women's wrestling match which by the way let it be known right now Sheeta and Rose. They they did their thing, like props to them. But you also have Britt Baker, who, for the love of God, if we could start stop referring to her as just Adam Cole's girlfriend and realize that this young lady like is really good between the ropes. Um, the point is, you had the crowd. You could have just had a regular wrestling match and actually and actually just put on something good. And to be fair. I thought that they were put in a weird position to open up the show. I would not have opened the show with this match. No. Here, here's a thought. You put a dental drill on a, on a pole and you have a ladder <laughs> match. And of course, you know, then you get the fake blood, whatever. That's more interesting to me. It shows what they can do. Did you, here's a good question. Did you leave the match thinking either of these two ladies who we both know can wrestle are legitimate contenders to Sheeta? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. So the match like, failed. So, so the, 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 the match ended by Britt Baker getting knocked out with um, nitrous oxide. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's how this match ended. Like, I was, it was so flat. It was so dumb. And then you have um, uh, Rebel basically completely get destroyed by Big Swole, which is understandable. Again, she's, you know, um, Britt Baker's like – uh, not valet per se, but like her, 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 her buddy, her goon, if you will. Yeah. And that makes sense that she's going to get her butt kicked all over the arena and whatnot. But it was just, it was dumb. It was really dumb. It was flat. It, like if you wanted it to be comedy, have it somewhere be filler within the middle of the car. Don't have it open. What is essentially the second biggest pay-per-view of the year for all elite wrestling. And the whole match started so ridiculous because Swole walks into the dentist office mm -hmm. and, she, and she doesn't recognize her. Uh, that and, was dumb. And she's like, what's your name? I was like, Swole. Oh, it's you? It's like, you have eyes. She's right in front of you. Right. It was dumb. I, <laughs> it, it was dumb. I, I, I didn't like it at all. And I honestly kind of made them look dumb. It, it, it And I hate to say that. Like, okay, you, you put them on the main card just so they like just so they can look like idiots and that's not that's not what we're looking for when we ask take women wrestling seriously but big swole takes the victory um, we move on to what I was what was the second match of the night 
on the main card. Um, the Young Bucks versus Jurassic Express. It was Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus accompanied by Marco Stunt. Now, this match went 14 minutes and 50 seconds. Now, let me be very clear when I say this. The Young Bucks, for those of you who do not know, um, are in the top three best tag teams, not in all elite wrestling, not in North America, not even in the world, in the entire galaxy. And I, it pains me to say that because for a year and a half on this podcast, I said the Young Bucks were overrated just because they annoyed <laughs> me so much at times. But I'm not dumb and I'm not a jerk. I, I, I'm going to be completely honest and completely real. The Young Bucks are one of the top three tag teams on planet Earth, and there is no discussion. Do I think that they're the number one tag team in the world? Um, that's... That's to, be, that's to be discussed. There are times that I feel they are. There are times that, that I feel they're not. Um, when the Usos are fully healthy, uh, the Usos have, a, have a, they have an argument. And the, the New Day have had an argument for the last five years. And the Undisputed Era has had an argument for the last two years. And then you, you look over at Impact Wrestling and um, uh, Ethan Page and Josh Alexander, the North, have a major argument for that. But then at the same time, and then of course FTR, and then, but then you look and then the Bucks, they're like, need we remind you who we are? And then they basically tell you by wrestling a 10 minute match with nobodies that they are the best tag team in wrestling. Now that being said, the Luchas Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy are not nobodies. And for the past 12 months, they have been, busting their butts on AEW Dynamite and on every pay-per-view that they're on, then they're essentially killing it. Luchasaurus is probably one of the best big men in wrestling right now. And Jungle Boy proved to everyone at Double or Nothing that he is no joke. And so I watched this match, and I didn't get quite what I expected. I'm fine with the Bucks winning. That's fine. Although it's weird that that the jung that Jungle Express is now going to be the number one contenders to FTR, even though they lost it at All Out. But that's a different beef for a different time on this podcast. But I expected a little bit more out of them. And to be quite honest with you, in a 14-minute and 50-second match, I felt that it dragged a bit at times. Well, the ending is some of the issue I have with all AEW endings, and I know it was to put over Jungle Boy, but if you uh, take the finish and you kick out just to get the finish again, it's uh, like the old completely uh, pointless. Yeah, it's redundant. It doesn't. It doesn't really do anything. Like I get like, oh, he kicked out. He's so brave. Da -da -da. And then he just gets hit with it again. It, it's it's just heaving on for no reason. Uh, so I watched this with my sister. She, she never watches wrestling ever, ever. Like she has no idea. She hasn't Shout watched wrestling since. Shout out to your sister since, for watching All Out with you. Yeah, dude. since she hasn't watched wrestling since the days of the Macho Man Randy Savage. Oh wow! And she, I was like, "This is Luke Perry's son, Jungle Boy," and she kept saying, "Like, oh my gosh, he's so good." And she's like, these other guys are really good too. I'm like, no, he's he's incredible. And he's like 22 years old. Like his potential is sky high. So there were moments of the match I really liked. It didn't feel all that different from a general dynamite match 
that either of these two teams would be involved in. I think that's, that's the curse of putting on great matches at general shows as well as your pay-per-views. Although that's why I love all elite wrestling because they're all in at all times. There's rarely a wasted match. Certainly there's some here and there uh, when they were building up uh, Lance Archer, for example, like he would toss people around and I get that, but you know, they always have a tag match. That's going to be a four-star match on the card. So I think these guys could have done more. I think if this had gone after the Hardy debacle, they get more because obviously that was not expected and for good reason because I mean, who expects something like that to happen? But this, this is, it's further proof. Like if you're going to have a ridiculous thing, like the match before it, put that on the, the buy-in. I know he felt the pressure and he put it on the main card, but honestly, if you show highlights of that match and you don't realize how stupid the whole thing was, you're like, Oh, I wish I would have seen it. But no, we all unfortunately did. And you could have given these guys 20 minutes, but in 14, they still brought it. So, but it, it did feel a little bit like most dynamite matches we see with these guys, because honestly them FTR, the dark order, private party, uh, not so much butchering the blade, but depending on who they're wrestling, yeah, they're always putting on good matches on Dynamite. So I feel like there's room for these guys to go for something crazier, like put them in a tag team ladder match. I you agree. Got, you got three guys who are small high flyers and a large wrestler that can do everything they can. I would love Luchasaurus. Lucha, Luchasaurus, is, Luchasaurus is... is I mean, the dude is something special. The big dudes that they have in all elite wrestling right now, it needs to be said. Luchasaurus, Lance Archer, Brian Cage, uh, Jake Hager, these guys. And no disrespect to the big dudes in WWE because there's some big dude, there's some heavy hitters in WWE that, that are very, very special. But Braun Strowman is not this type of guy, and he, nor yeah. will he ever try to be except, you know, for when he's – you know, doing frog splashes off the top rope, which is absolutely incredible. Um, but Luchasaurus is something special. One thing that I want to mention, because a few months ago I told Ross, um, I don't think I said this on air, but I was like, oh, I saw Marco Stunt have a match with, um, with Jericho on Dynamite. And I was like, oh, man, Marco Stunt can go. Like, he's incredible. And Ross was like, you're seriously marking out over Marco Stunt? I was like, I wasn't necessarily marking out over Marco Stunt, just appreciating what he does. But he annoyed the living hell out of me in this match on the outside. Um, he was very heelish, even though uh, even though Jungle the, the Jurassic Express, excuse me, God, it's hard. You got Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus, and then you Jurassic Express. It's very interchangeable. That being said, um, he was very heelish, considering that Jurassic Express were supposed to be the baby faces in this match. Not saying that the Young Bucks were the heels but they were definitely much more the aggressors, of course. Um, yes. He was annoying. And, and I wanted to see Nick and Matt just super kick him completely out of the match and just have him not be in there. And at one point, like a little bit past halfway point, they finally did. And I was like, thank God. It, he, it was, yeah. yeah, I agree. He's a little bit less fun when he can't get involved as much. Right. And Because obviously he's hurt a little bit. Uh, yeah, he did have the cast on the foot or, or the boot on the foot. Um, I mean, I give, I give that guy a lot of credit. He's so small. And he's, he's in the really ring and he's small. so small. But 
he he works it in a believable enough way. Uh, obviously, it requires some putting over. Uh, Kenny Omega did it particularly well a couple weeks ago, but it does it does take a lot of that. It takes a lot of the other wrestlers thinking, "You're too small. I'm better than you. Get out of my face." Right. To make it work, and so I didn't really have that here. I thought. The Young Bucks are, are sort of in a weird place because on Dynamite they didn't appear – or at the end of the show, they don't appear to be as heelish as they were coming across at this portion of the show where they are they were the aggressors, right? Right, which is so, so weird how they I, did that. Yeah, I thought, like, they would be the ones who were like, you figured out, Kenny, it's your fault, not the other way around. Right, yeah, I, so, I actually, I'm glad you brought that up. Let's talk about that more when we get to FTR and Omega yeah. and Page because the ending of that match had me really confused. But So the Bucks take the victory. Um, they pin Jungle Boy. Um, I, Jungle Boy was the babyface in peril for the most part in this match, which obviously makes sense because he's the smaller of the two. But I really would have liked to have seen Luchasaurus be more involved in this match. Because he is so incredible. He is so athletic. He is so gifted. Dude is 6'6", 280. And, I mean, I, I, I say this a lot, moving around like a cruiserweight and stuff like that. But I'm not going to say he moves around like a cruiserweight. But I'm going to tell you that he moves around like a dude who's 60 pounds less than what he is. And he does it flawlessly. Yeah, And it is his absolutely incredible. His top rope jump to the outside – over the guardrails. And by the way, he cleared them without, even though Jungle Please. Boy moved them, he still uh-huh. cleared them. Yeah. I was like, it's like this guy does something. He does the flip thing from the second rope, which always looks scary. Yeah. Because it's not, it does not appear to be an easy uh, over the top thing. And he always gets very close to the ring. On this top rope dive, uh, crossbody to the outside, he was flying. Yes. I remember watching him at the um, at the at Casino Royale ladder match at Double or Nothing earlier this year, and Brian Cage gets him ready for a choke slam, and then Luchasaurus does a complete backflip rotation from that choke slam, and I was just like, I'm I'm sold, I'm sold. And by the way, mind you, I'd already been sold on Luchasaurus for like the last seven months, but it, this this dude is un, this dude is unreal and because he's so incredibly talented and Jurassic Express as a tag team is so incredibly talented because yes Luke Perry's son Jungle Boy it Jungle Boy is no joke like okay Marco Stunt yeah he's small and yeah he's really really good but Jungle Boy is a li- like a little bit bigger but still really small and Jungle Boy is incredible and you and I talk and Ross and I talked about the match that Jungle Boy had with um, MJF at Double or Nothing. That Fantastic was one match. of the top three matches on that card, and it was yeah. really, really strong. Um, so that, that being said, I would have liked to have seen a little bit more of, of, of Luchasaurus in this match. I'm fine with the Bucks winning, um, but it does create a little bit of confusion for me as to why Jungle Express is now the number one contenders, even though they took a clean loss, mind you, against the Bucks. Yeah. So I, that, that's weird to me, but it, it is what it is. It, it, this kind of got the pay-per-view a little bit more rolling, but not anything too out of the ordinary yet. We go next to the 21-man Casino Battle Royale. So let me go ahead and give the people here the list of who was in this match. 
Um, so the way that this worked, this was a very interesting dynamic of how they did the Casino Battle Royale because it was more Royal Rumble, but not one person coming in every two minutes. It was it was a it was a group of five coming in every three minutes, which is very interesting and, and in a way creative, but then at the same time, it, 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 it didn't make it boring because there wasn't 20 dudes at the same time. It was five, then five, then five, and then the last six, the last other five plus the Joker, which made it 21, right? So here yeah. is the group of everybody. We had Trent Christopher Daniels, Jake Hager, The Blade, and Ray Phoenix come out in the clubs, which is the first group. Three minutes later, you had the Diamonds group, which was Frankie Kazarian, Will Hobbs, Chuck Taylor, Santana, and Ortiz. The third group was the Hearts, which was Billy, Penta El Cero M, Ricky Starks, Brian Cage, and Darby Allen. Spades, which was the, the really the last group. It was Sean Spears, Eddie Kingston, The Butcher, Sonny Kiss, and Lance Archer. And then the person who drew the Joker in their AEW debut was Matt Seidel. Now, you're probably – some of you who only uh, really watch WWE, for those of you wondering, Matt Seidel is Evan Bourne, who is uh, one of the better high flyers in the game today. And uh, famously was the person who took the um, RKO from the Shooting Star Press from Randy Orton 10 years ago, which is still to this day – one of the coolest moments in professional wrestling history. Uh, Evan Bourne and was the person who did that. The best RKO out of nowhere. I would. I mean, it's up there. I, I, it's definitely in the top three. I mark out still to one of my personal favorites with um, Dolph Ziggler being in the powerbomb position on Randy Orton and Randy Orton tossing him and dropping him. And then there's a lot Good. of people who love the Rollins RKO for Rollins, 31. Yep. Back, and the back shooting boost, star press. Yeah. 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 Those, those three RKOs, uh, to me, are the best RKOs of all time. There is no argument. The three are amazing. So Matt Seidel, what an interesting, what an interesting debut he had. I feel bad oh, for boy. him, dude. It was, it was, uh, it wasn't his fault. But uh, let's be clear, it was not. Uh, there was a ton of trolling on Twitter and on Instagram, and I get it. You know, it's funny, but let's be first of all, dude could have hurt himself massively. He could have, and he didn't. Thank God. Yeah, that's the yeah, first. He could have broke his neck. Could have easily broken his neck badly, or suffered a major concussion. And then the second thing is, when you really think about it, it's not his fault. Um, there were those all those wrestlers that were in that ring had probably been in there for at least maybe fifth, uh, closing in on twelve or thirteen minutes, and the amount of people that were in the corner, um, there's a ton of perspiration, so there's a ton of sweat, there's a ton of oil on those buckles it's easy it it's easy to slip dude regardless of you being a 10 or 15 year veteran like that's not stuff you can plan for it's it you know you got to do your best and his foot slipped off of that and it is what it is i'm just happy i guarantee you uh he doesn't have his foot on just the turnbuckle ever again oh yeah uh it was a mistake I, it was also a metaphor for how I felt about the match. I thought it was a, just a pretty stale, boring, yeah. ho-hum battle royale with a lot of big question. names. Yeah. Did and you... uh, no big spots. No, nothing really exciting to like, I agree. note about that battle royale. 
Yeah, I mean, it was fun to see Penta El Zero M and Ray Phoenix kind of moving around on the ropes because they're absolutely incredible. Um, and I, I mean, I've, I've said it before, I'll say it again. I love Santana and Ortiz and they always make me laugh. Um, and Those guys so are great. Yeah. they're hilarious and they are legitimate. They are also in my top 10 of best tag teams on the planet. And please, please, Mr. Khan and please Omega and, and the Bucks and Cody do something with Santana and Ortiz because the, they, they are amazing. And yes, it's great that they're in the inner circle as they should be, because that means they're getting TV time every week. But I'm talking like maybe put them in the mix of, uh, of the AEW World Tag Team titles, because they are one of the better tag teams on the planet. I think it's coming, honestly. Oh, I mean, they, they pinned the so. best friends. Uh, and one of my favorite segments of all time is them trashing Trent's mother's car. I agree. It was very funny. Uh, not um, of all my, time, but like that yeah. AEW is that I really like that. In the one year of AEW's existence, my favorite Santana and Ortiz moment besides Stadium Stampede and how incredible they were in that match um, yep. was the was the backstage fight that they had with the Bucks um, in, in in the backstage area on Dynamite, and then they're fighting going into the public restroom that's in the back, and then the door pops open and Orange Cassidy's just chilling in the bathroom. It's hilarious. That that spot yeah. makes me laugh. It makes me laugh hysterically every single time I watch it. But um, Santana and Ortiz were hilarious in this match. Jake Hager, Jake Hager probably should have been a little bit more of a powerhouse in this match. But I get it. You don't want to make it be that all the big dudes get all the glory in this match because then it takes away from everybody else. But yep. I will say that I don't think Jake Hager has been treated as strongly as he should, considering that he's more than just the backbone of the inner circle. Um, I think he should be training a little bit better, but okay. So Lance Archer wins this battle Royal by last, by last eliminating Eddie Kingston, who last week I actually picked to win this battle Royal. So I was actually really surprised that it was Archer. And I'll tell you the reason why I think why I was surprised that it was Archer, because Archer is currently being presented as a heel towards Mox. But in the last couple of weeks, I've seen Archer and Brian Cage go at each other's throats. So it made it seem to me like Archer was on the midst of a babyface turn. And by the way, if he were to wrestle um, Brian Cage, I'd be all for it because those two big dudes can go. Um, were you okay with that move? Because I wouldn't have told you I wanted Brian Cage to win because he already won the ladder match and lost clean to Mox. So who did you think Archer would have should have won? And if not, who do you think should have won? I was secretly hoping for a bigger surprise than Matt Seidel. Not that I have I? anything partic- particularly against him, but uh, Rusev or Miro would have been really cool in that spot. Uh, then again, I guess you don't want him getting tossed over the top rope right away. Like they'll get uh, legs out of Seidel regardless. Whereas. Rusev, you're going to have to book strong right. pretty much immediately. I, I was actually fine with Archer. I thought he was sort of in a standstill. Again, he was on a lot of dark, uh, and he started popping back up on TV, and they're, they're trying to reestablish him as strong. But here's the crummy thing for him. Uh, he got the, the match with Cody too early, uh-huh. and Cody got to win. Whereas Brody Lee got the match, I think Archer probably should have had, which was destroying Cody and burying him for dead. 
Right. Only to have Cody come back later, and clearly he's going to beat Brody Lee at some point. I mean, that's just booking 101. But that's the way they were building Archer. And, and then they never followed up with his loss to Cody, which he pretty much dominates the whole match and loses. So they, they kind of got stuck in a weird place, and then they didn't know what to do with him. Now, the natural mm-hmm. thing would have been to do what they're doing now, which is have Taz, Jake the Snake, talking trash back and forth, and then put these two bull, pit bulls in the ring together and let them go. But they didn't, they didn't have that at the time. Or they were on separate tracks, and they immediately put Brian Cage against Moxley because he won that ladder match. Which, I get it, and it's tough because this isn't the Royal Rumble. The Royal Rumble has always got 15 guys, you know, are just there to get tossed over the rope. Yeah. Everybody here you wanted to see something from because mm-hmm. AEW's got a thinner roster. Uh, you know, I, I don't know about everybody, but I'm invested in most of these guys because a lot of them are newer to me. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I've casually followed indie wrestling, but it's like, I, I'm, this is a good shot for these guys. I want to see how they do. And you recognize them all because they're all getting TV time. Exactly. And they're all getting significant TV time. So you can't just have them go out there and be kind of a clown. I agree. The only guy I thought was like, oh, here's Sean Spears, who they treated like a clown mostly. I was like, maybe he really frustrating. Work. Yeah. You know? Uh, and I was kind of hoping he would do better than he did just because I think he's a good wrestler. And he he has the same situation as Lance Archer, where he wrestled Cody, he takes the loss, and they're like, oh, "We don't know what to do with you now. We don't know what feud feud we have for you." So I'm glad Archer won. Uh, yeah. I was a little surprised that I, I honestly was. I I thought uh, he and Cage would eliminate each other. Me too. Me too. Which is where I thought that maybe Eddie Kingston probably would have. Um probably popped in there because he, I, I think he had an incredible opener uh, opener to his AEW career with Cody on dynamite a, uh, a couple of months ago. Um, a lot of people were really awaiting him to show up in AEW and he did. And the response all over social media was actually tremendous. So I was like, you know what, man, you got to capitalize off of that. You know, he can take the loss with Mox because nobody expects him to be there in the first place. Why not try it? Right. But yeah. I'm fine with Archer. Although to me, I, I really would have appreciated seeing Archer and Cage more. And then here's – I've been saying this for months, and I think a lot of people agree with me, including my colleague Ross, who, again, is not here with us this evening due to some technical difficulties at his house. So he'll be back with us next week. Tom, the Thunderous Wizard from Hops and Box Office Flops, is joining me because I couldn't do this show by myself because I tried it for 10 minutes and it was trash. Um, but – I saw Archer and I saw Cage and I was like, yo, those two together would be perfect. It would be absolutely perfect. And I've been saying this for months that if there's anybody in AEW right now that needs to go after Mox, it's Jericho. Jericho never got his rematch at from, from Blood and Guts. I'm sorry, not Blood and Guts. It was um, uh, AEW Revolution. Blood and Guts was the pity yeah. that got canceled. Excuse me. Um, I was so excited but, for Blood and Guts. A lot of people were, including myself. That We were actually going to get the five-on-five match between the Elite and the Inner Circle, and it would have been five. Don't get me wrong. Stadium Stampede was very, very cool, but an actual five-on-five cool. would have been ridiculous. In, um, in the, you know, in the war zone, in the cage, in the, yes. in the thing that Dusty Rhodes essentially crowd. In, invented. 
yes. in front of a crowd. Oh man. And Matt Hardy's debut was so cool. True. Speaking well, here's of a guy who got hurt really badly by all uh basically Oh Matt Hardy got happened. screwed. Like his his whole run was like thrown in to tur- in, you know into turbulence because of everything that went down. Like yeah. obviously there's bigger problems, but I mean, it, he had, he emerged like here it is like he's the fifth guy that's going to be so great, and then the legs are cut right out from under. Yeah, that was that was rough. It was really rough, and it makes me really sad. But I have been saying for, for forever, and I think you agree with me that Jericho and Mox is what they need to go back to. Um, instead of you continuing to build up guys that are just going to lose to Mox, because as much as I love Moxley as an AEW World Champion, and by the way, I do. Um, I legitimately can tell you right now that he is currently the second best world champion in pro wrestling. And yes, I currently think he's better than Roman Reigns only because Roman Reigns is literally in the first two weeks of his title reign. He's done nothing yet. Um, But him and Drew McIntyre are neck and neck, really, um, in regards to being the best world champion in pro wrestling right now. But at the same time, you can't continue to build up these guys and then just have Moxley mow them down. You have to build somebody to be able to beat Mox. Whereas with Jericho, you can either do one of two things. You can have him put over Mox one more time and you can waste him in that role. Or there was so much untapped potential in, in Jericho's reign that you could go back to Jericho if you really wanted to. Um, but Lance Archer wins this match. Apparently, he's going to get the paper, the title shot at full gear. That is to be seen. Maybe it might be on a dynamite. I'm not 100% sure. Um, it is. It remains to be seen. Um, I mean, I, I guess I'm cool with him winning the, the Battle Royal, but I just – Lance yeah. Archer winning it after he lost so much momentum over the summer, um, is. I, I, I wasn't 100% sure if it was necessarily the right call, but – Speaking of right calls and wrong calls, really a wrong call here, ladies and gentlemen. Um, the the most controversial the most controversial thing that happened this entire weekend: uh, Matt Hardy versus Sammy Guevara in a broken rules match, where if Matt Hardy lost, he would have to leave AEW. Okay. Uh, myself and the Thunderous Wizard have had conversations galore about this all week. Um, We took shots at AEW and Mr. Khan on social media. Um, I 100% support um, Rebby Sky, uh, Matt Hardy's wife. Um, I support the decision of of Aubrey Edwards calling that match when when she did. And I did not like the fact that whoever the doctor was overruled her decision. Um, Matt Hardy was 100% out of it. Let me be the first person to say this was not Sammy Guevara's fault. This was just a botch that, that, that happened. The, the, no way in heck should anybody be up 15 feet in the air and then concrete is surrounding you. Like there needs to be some type of padding, not just a table. Um, this spot was, well, was not well planned. I don't think this match was well planned. And – now, basically, Matt Hardy's going to be out of wrestling for a, for, a, for a bit while he recovers. And I think that, unfortunately, there's going to be a lot of people who are not as open-minded as you and I are that are going to be blaming this on Sammy Guevara. Not his fault. In fact, 
he realized Matt was hurt, and yes, he picks him up and and, and he's leading him. And as as Matt starts to fall again, uh, it's clear Sammy realizes something is wrong and has, you know, he they the ref steps back in and stops it. Right. I don't blame him at all. He's a young kid. I think he did the right thing. Uh, obviously, he didn't realize Matt was coming back out. This was an irresponsible anybody, spot. I take, I give 100% of the blame to the doctor for saying, uh, Matt says he can go. Let's let him go. No, dude, you I, could see. I, you could see. I, I think it's, it's, a, it's a number of things. It's a young promotion kowtowing to a legendary wrestler who says, yes, I can go. I have to finish the match. I get it. The Hardys are old school. This is what they do. Uh, I look at this a lot differently now than I would have 10 years ago, but I've seen many people concussed. I've been concussed myself a couple of times. I've never been concussed the way he was. He was out cold for 15 seconds and he was out of it. It it should have been stopped because I I didn't see what Nowitzki said about this. And I'm sure he must've said some things because I follow him on Twitter and Chris Nowitzki, who we all know as an ex-WWE guy who's been very involved in CTE research, this was scary. Knowing what we know about head trauma, and I know Matt Hardy really didn't take any more bumps during the match, but he did at one point fall on his head again. That, that right there, head trauma on top of head trauma is not – it's just not safe. And then he's climbing a scaffolding, and he slips at one point in this climb. I watched this match twice. Mm-hmm. He slips. If he falls from there, he it's just not, it's not good. And here's the difference between his spot and Sammy's spot at the end. Mm-hmm. Why is the 40-something-year-old man with a history of concussions and severe injuries? Because Matt Hardy took a really bad concussion in an indie show before the broken era. Yeah. Where he was convulsing on the ground. So a guy with a history of concussions, why is he taking a spot to a to a bare concrete floor with just tables as a cushion? And then I know Sammy's taken all kinds of crazy spots, but he's taking the spot. Nobody should have taken the, the concrete spot. But Sammy, you look at his spot, he's falling into cushions mm-hmm. through a, a breakable, you know, thing. Object, it, yes, yeah. it looks real, but He's got the padding. It's WWE does it all the time. Right. It's standard wrestling stuff. That spot to me, I get it. It's high. At least there's safety precautions in place. Matt Hardy's spot with so little room for error was incredibly irresponsible and reckless. They should be ashamed of themselves. And Tony Khan should be doubly ashamed for tweeting out that, oh, Matt's okay. No concussion. Everything's fine. I call BS, and if I could curse, I would. I've seen too many of them. You're, you can't pull that kind of nonsense on people. He was unconscious. He wasn't moving. He couldn't get up. Like, stop. Yeah. Don't lie. Don't insult our intelligence. You have to be better than that. If right. you want to be the best wrestling promotion, then tell the truth. One of the reasons I hate WWE sometimes is because they intentionally lie to you about injuries. Tell the truth. We know these guys put their bodies on the line. Don't make up fake stuff because it just comes across corny. I know Drew McIntyre didn't break his jaw because he wouldn't be wrestling. He wouldn't show up two weeks later and start kicking people in the face. 
Right. I hate it. You know, come up with better excuses. If somebody's really hurt, you have to tell the truth. This guy has kids. He's got a family. He's way too long in the game to be taking those bumps. It's inexcusable. I'm off my soapbox. No, no, no. I, I, listen, dude, I, I wanted you to go off because I, I, I've already gone off on social media on a couple of different occasions. Like this was irresponsible. This was stupid. And I'm sure that if Ross were on this show, he would 100% agree with everything that we have to say. He might go ahead and say, you know what, in the middle of the moment, and I can understand in the middle of the moment, if Matt Hardy is telling you that I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. I mean, you can think about it for a second, but then if you, especially a doctor, if I, I'm not a doctor, we both work at a, at a facility which caters to people who are going to be doctors, but we're not doctors. Even I can tell you, and I've never had a concussion before. You are much more athletic than I am. You're a former rugby, a rugby player. Dude, he was out cold. Like, he was out cold. Um, it, it, it was stupid. And not to me, here's the thing that really bugs me, and I texted you about this earlier this week. This was the second time in three weeks that Matt Hardy has taken a massive shot to the head. Because in the original yep. spot from two weeks ago, him and Sammy were, were, were fighting all over the stage at Dynamite. And apparently Sammy grabs the wrong chair on accident and just straight clean shot to the head for Matt. Matt is gone. And then he obviously does a 630 splash off the set in through the table and, you know, Matt's already, like, completely, utterly loopy. And then you throw in this, like, you should have known that even though he didn't necessarily – he may have not gotten a concussion on Dynamite. Hell, he could have. I'm not 100% sure. They didn't tell me. And I didn't see anything about it on social media. All I know is that Rebby Sky was, again, incredibly upset about that spot. And she was even more heated about this one. What really makes me – what really gets my – gets me riled up is the fact that his wife has to go on social media and flat out say Tony Khan is not telling the truth. And yeah, a concussion like he suffered is, it is by all rights, a career ender from the look of that, that fall. And if he was concussed on dynamite when he was hit with the chair and Sammy took heat for that, rightfully so, because if you're going to throw a chair at somebody's head, you don't throw it. It needs to be facing up it needs to be yes. flat so it's not going to catch him with a with a hard edge so i get catching heat for that uh this is just the, whoever booked the match and and them and saying yeah you guys can do this it's their fault too everybody oh, involved is, is, has, has there's fault. a lot of people who need to be blamed in this match sam um matt hardy needs to be blamed for continuing to want to to to, to wrestle in this match even though again it's just the blood and the adrenaline in him and, and, and his and his personality as a as a pro pro wrestler's consummate professional since for the last twenty five years. I get that, but at the same time, it's like Matt, you should know better. You are out of it. Again, I give all the credit in the world to Aubrey Edwards for wanting to stop the match, and I, I'm just shocked that they went ahead and overruled that decision. Um, yep. And it is what it, Aubrey did it the is right thing. Aubrey did the right thing. This was a nine-minute, just utterly terrible thing to watch, and it's hard it was, to watch. It was really, it's really hard to watch. Um, if you haven't seen the spot, if you want to watch it, I'm sure it's all over social media. Again, Matt Hardy hits the floor, the concrete floor, smack dab with nothing in between. 
literally the only thing between his skull and that concrete floor was his hair. That was it. Yep. Just yeah. It was brutal. Um, uh, so Matt Hardy they, wins this match. Uh, yeah. It's it's mind-boggling, and they easily could have sold it on Dynamite as I'm not. This is not how you're going out, like you old loser. Da 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 da. Like I'm not finished with you. Tony, sign another match. And he's not going to wrestle for months. I oh, can't yeah, he, imagine. He's gone like, for a few weeks, for sure, at the least. He needs to take some time off. He needs to reevaluate his life because he can't be taking bumps like that. Yeah, and, 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 and no listen, I'll be the first person to tell you, I get mad at Jeff for doing all that stupid stuff that he does in WWE. I'm even more angry with yeah. that about this one. Um, I'll be completely honest with you. It'll be very interesting how, to see how the next few weeks plays out for Matt Hardy, but it in all complete honesty, um, I wish him the best. I know you wish him the best. And there was a there was a couple of people on on social media trolling, not necessarily trolling, but saying that Rebby Sky was overreacting. Yo, I'm sorry, uh, man. I'm married. You're yeah. married. If my wife gets yeah. a concussion. I'd be hella pissed if I got a concussion and it was not my fault. And my wife would be defending me until the day that. And by the way, let it be clear. She took shots at Matt in the Twitter, in the tweets, too. But yeah. it's, it wasn't just Khan, and it wasn't just AEW. She definitely called out her own husband on it, and I'm glad she did. Glad she did. I, uh, you know, I, I haven't seen – you know, I didn't follow too closely. People were saying I did follow the initial reaction because, again, I, I watched it later, mm-hmm. and I heard he got hurt. And I'm like – so I'm like, oh, what happened? And then I go look – I scroll through, and I'm like, oh, oh, no. And then I knew it was coming. I knew it was coming, but I didn't know he finished the match. I just knew he got hurt. So then you see it and you're like in shock, but you're talking yeah. trash about a guy's wife. He's a father, you know, knock it off. Yeah. Get be, a hold be of yourself. Be respectful. Give me a break. You know, yeah. there's a reason I quit playing rugby because uh, I have kids. I can't afford to get hurt. Right. At some point in your life, when you put yourself through a lot of harm, you, you can't keep putting yourself in harm's way. You have greater responsibilities. Uh, you should you should appreciate that he's not there for your your entertainment he's there to be a good dad and be a good husband and the more concussions you get the less likely that is to happen yeah so you know well said tom well said brother um and, and the fact that it was so early in the match too that's what really kind of blew me away and you mentioned that you were yeah. like it because it happens i don't know man they're like two and a half minutes in it, it this match i think is i told to go you a lot like, longer than nine minutes I think I told you, like, you're going to be in shock. Yeah. Like, it's going to blow your mind. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it, it, it's, it is what it is, and it was a thing that happened, and we move on, bro. Because, yeah. Now, the next match, halfway through this card, um, this is to me, this is to me, Tom, where I felt like All Out started to turn the corner in the right direction. Um, I... It's Hikaru Shida defending her AEW Women's World, t- World Title versus Thunder Rosa, who is the NWA Women's World Champion. Um, first of all, I'm all for this. I uh, love the fact that uh, they brought in a legitimate champion from another legitimate company um, to put her up against the, what they have the best to offer. Cool. You don't see that happen all the time. It's very, very cool. Um this match went 16 minutes. Now, this match, to me, got started off a bit slow. 
Um, and by the way, a, a lot, that was a tendency a lot this pay-per-view. Is some of these matches kind of got started off slow. There was not a lot of – I didn't feel as much energy as I f- would have thought there, some of these matches would have had. I also didn't – now, granted, Daly's place was only at 10 to 15% occupancy, whereas you could fit 7,000. I think they had maybe 750 tops. That's how many people that they had there, and it was they were completely spread out through Daly's place. But it was still – I couldn't really hear the crowd, and it was really tough, and it hurt some of the matches. Um, there was one instance when I really heard them, and it was really cool because for the first time in seven months, you were like, oh, my gosh, there's a crowd there, and I can feel their energy. And it was when they were all um, singing uh, Jericho's Jericho song, song, and it was awesome. Yeah. Um, but – what did you think of Sheeta versus Rosa? Because to me, it got started off slow, but I think that it picked up a good pace and it ended up being easily one of the better matches on the card. Yeah, I love Akaro Sheeta. I think she's tremendous. She um, is. She, I, she's making a name for herself and she's starting. She's. I give it six more months and I think she'll be recognized in the top 10 women in all of pro wrestling right now. I don't think she's quite there yeah. yet, but she's definitely making a name for herself. I agree. I think uh, what I love most about this match is it shows all of the cool things we thought were possible when AEW became a thing. Cross promotion, bringing other incredible wrestlers from other organizations to AEW, repaying the favor. Obviously, this happened at their initial pay-per-view where it was basically wrestlers from all these different promotions, which wasn't an AEW pay-per-view, but you knew they were going toward a new promotion. With all, when they originally did All In, exactly. Yeah, and All In is maybe one of my favorite pay-per-views ever. I thought that was so cool. It broke the mold. It basically gave a middle finger to WWE and said, you're not going to corner the market. There's a lot of wrestling here in the U.S., around the world, and we all are willing to work together to bring the best wrestlers together. So when they had Thunder Rosa wrestle on Dynamite, I was like, holy crap, she can really go. So I was very excited for this match. It did start a little slow. I thought it delivered, but I'm not sure it was that much better than Rosa's match on Dynamite. So... Maybe having her have an incredible match the Wednesday before the pay-per-view hurt, hurt this one a little bit because it showed all the stuff she could do where maybe you could have kept that behind the curtain a little bit. Not that you got to bury that other uh, the girl, I forget her name, from Dynamite because she's also good, mm. but save some of it. Give us just like a sneak peek, like an right. extended trailer. But this match I thought was really awesome. And, and you're right. This is when the pay-per-view began to turn the corner because we went from the lowest of lows. The Hardy thing was, I, I just did not have a good feeling in my stomach. I had texted you. I'm like, this, this pay-per-view has been terrible. Like, I, I don't know if they can turn this around. Like, this is a real bummer. Because I, I love AEW. Uh, but then it started to pick up. And this match... I think gets the MVP award because it essentially saved the pay-per-view for me. I agree. Yeah, that's a very good way to look at it there, Tom. That's a very good look because, because I, you know, I saw this match and I was like, 
here's where I was trying to go ahead and prepare this match, and I'm sorry for doing this for anybody who's not a WWE mark the way that I am, and that's fine. But let it be known, if I'm going to go ahead and give credit to AEW and say that they have the best tag team division in wrestling, WWE has the best women's division in wrestling, and it's okay. I'm not going to say it's not close. I think Impact's women's division is very good. But it, I do not believe it is as good as WWE's. Like, period. I think unanimously, professional wrestling community can all agree that WWE women's wrestling, women's division is the strongest. So when I saw Thunder Rosa versus Hikaru Shida, I was thinking to myself, this match, in order for me to consider it really strong, has got to be on equal par to what Asuka and Bailey and Asuka and Sasha did over the last couple of months here this summer in order for me to say, I'm willing to go ahead and say that match was strong. To me, it didn't quite live up to any to either three of the particular matches that they had at Extreme Rules and at SummerSlam, but, but it did a really good job trying. It, did, it, it was different because there was a different feel to this match between Thunder Rosa and Hikaru Shida than there was to Asuka versus Sasha and Asuka and Bailey. What do I mean by that? The storyline intertwined of them screwing over Asuka was different to this woman in Thunder Rosa is coming in to show, hey, the best women's wrestler in independent Wrestling is not Hikaru Shida, it is I. And th- there was a lot more one-upmanship and competition between Shida and Rosa than there was in the storyline of Asuka and Sasha and Asuka and Bailey, which was able to nicely distinguish itself. And I was cool with that. And one thing that I've said about AEW for a long time now, and it's hard for me to say this, but I'll be completely honest, they have the best commentating team in pro wrestling today with J.R., Shivani, and Excalibur. And the way that they were putting over Rosa and the way that they were putting over um, Sheeta was super great. I loved it. Yeah, you know what I, I really enjoyed about that was how much Excalibur sort of broke down how Rosa's style would pose problems for Sheeta, even though you don't have to necessarily believe that. But he he went out of his way to put somebody from another promotion over in a big way. 100%. And, and I, will, I will say this. I would kill for either of these two wrestlers to wrestle uh, Asuka or Bailey or Sasha. They're that good. They are very, very good. Particularly, I would love to see Sheeta and Asuka, strong style, just going at it. 100%. I would 100% love to see that. I would pay money, good money to see that. What, what I'm here to say is if you wanted a really strong women's wrestling match and you were completely just annoyed with what happened earlier in the evening between Baker and Swole, this was the match that you said, oh, this is, this is what we needed. That's what we needed right there. Yeah. Um, by the way, let it be known that I think that Britt Baker is completely capable of doing something like that because I've seen her have very strong matches over the last year with AEW, and she's great. But um, if you wanted great women's wrestling, like strong, like not even the – it just so happens to be that they're ladies. If you wanted a good wrestling match, 
Sheeta and Rosa deliver. Um, yeah. 16 minutes. I originally thought I was a lot. And then I was like, nah, man, that's a really good set of time for these two ladies to go ahead and just wrestle their own style of match. And it, and, and not, not, not just being able to put on something good, but most importantly show they can hang with anybody on the planet. Yeah. And not to belabor the point from earlier, but it's like, I'd much rather see these two get a rematch at the next big event yeah. and have Sheeta show up on NWA TV. Oh, that'd be killer. Uh, you know, and then have this continue that I am interested at this point because of how they've handled Britt Baker since she got hurt, having her jump into the fold. Because their women's division is a little thin right now. You've had injuries. Uh, I don't know who the clear contender is. The women's tag team tournament wasn't particularly interesting. They've got some development to do there. Uh, so, you know, I, I would keep this going because, again, it's the Moxley situation. You want to keep feeding people to Sheeta uh, as one-offs? Right. I don't think that works. Although we're going to talk about Moxley. I don't think him and MJF are done by a long stretch. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, so we both agree that this is the match that turned around all, up, all out. Um, on Saturday night, this was definitely one of the, 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 the it, it was like a refresh. It was that there was a, somebody hit the restart button backstage and said, okay, what we've seen for the last hour and a half, not necessarily trash, but it wasn't the best stuff that we could be possibly putting out right now. And then Sheeta and Rosa came out and not slayed the game, but they went ahead and said, hey, listen, we're not playing around tonight. Let's, let's do something good. I thought that the eight-man tag that followed it really took that momentum that Sheeta and Rosa had, were able to put out and were, con- were allowed it to continue. We're talking the Dark Order, which was led, of course, by Mr. Brody Lee, and then it had Colt Cabana, Evil Uno, and Stu Grayson with Anna Jay versus um, Matt Cardona, a.k.a. Um, Zack Ryder, Scorpio Sky, and the Natural Nightmares, QT Marshall, and the man who's just seemingly ageless at this point, Dustin Rhodes, good old gold dust. Dude, I texted you when I watched this match, and I said, yo, this is, this is my favorite match of the pay-per-view. Yeah, it was, it was I, great. I had, a lo- I had a great time watching this. It was so entertaining. It was so, so energetic. This is what I needed, and this is what I was talking about energy-wise, like the fast pace. Both both sides brought it. I really enjoyed it. Uh, everybody got, I think, a good moment to shine. I don't think Scorpio Sky got enough time. I'm a big fan of Scorpio Sky. Scorpio Sky, I think he's so another legit. another guy. He's a tag team guy, but I think it's time for him to get a good singles run. Mm-hmm. Just like we've been talking about all these great big men, like uh, Luchasaurus should be in the mix with Cage and uh, Brody Archer. Lee. Yeah, and, Arch, and Arch, you know, and, and let, let's see, let's see this, you know, get him a shot. I, I, I thought he got shortchanged the most, but I mean, he still had moments. But I, and I texted you, I said, uh, Goldust has no business being better than like seventy-five percent of the active wrestlers in WWE. Still, he's that good. Still, it, it's awesome. mind blowing. It's mind blowing because you know there was a time where in the mid two thousands and into two thousand tens. Goldust, he packed on a bit of weight, and ever since, and then when he started teaming with with uh, with Cody, 
he started to trim down big time and you could tell and he was moving swift like more swiftly he was moving more he was more agile um and then now that he's in aew he's slimmed down even more so he's smarter and i mean you look at dustin rhodes and you don't realize how big he is until he's in the ring with some other dudes and you're like oh man dustin rhodes was never small um and then he's going off canadian destroyers like nothing which mind you let me just say this about the canadian destroyer and i say it every podcast it is one of my favorite moves in pro wrestling today and nobody's using it as a finisher and everybody's using it as a signature move and it's starting to piss me off it's being used like the super kick it's making me mad it's overused uh pd williams overused and it shout out me. buddy it was your finisher yeah uh i did love the top uh, over the top rope or off the top rope canadian destroyer that ray phoenix did a few weeks back on dynamite but that was insane yes i do remember that in that eight sick what was that like a 16 man tag that yeah, they had it was on dynamite nuts. yeah, yeah. It's insanity uh here's what i will say for dustin Rhodes: sobriety is a hell of a drug good for him for getting his life figured out because 100%. I've been watching that guy wrestle since the old WCW days when he was in like a bunkhouse match with bunkhouse buck. When him and Dusty were hugging it out on WCW, man. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like coming out to the ring in cowboy boots and wrestling. I wasn't even watching wrestling boots. back then. Yeah. Like, so it was like five. his career is almost as old as I am at this point. So hats off to the guy I, I really enjoyed this match it was everything a four-man tag should be uh everybody gets a moment cardona had a, had a couple big moments he comes in hot tag obviously mm-hmm. gets the uh, thing where the guy's trying to toss him over into the in, into their move and he does his finish around the guy uh he's looking great yeah another great he, thing dude, about he, is, is, he is yoked right now yeah Matt guys who like, we're getting yeah, their shot, ripped. you know, coming yeah. in and, and being able to do some things. And obviously I hope they have, have more to do more for him to do in the weeks to come. But mm-hmm. yeah, I, I, this was everything it needed to be fast paced, exciting. Brody Lee looks strong. Yeah. Uh, goes super heel in the end. Uh, Colt Cabana screws up. It's the first time he's screwed up in the dark order. Now he sees what the dark order really is. Does he want to be in it? Does he not want to be in it? And it set up uh, the match for Dynamite. So, right. you know, they it's not an enviable position to be in a match that essentially means nothing, aside from we're going to get revenge for Cody. <laughs> but, yeah, I liked it. It worked. Let me Before we move on to the next match, which is um, one of the most awaited matches we've had in a long, long time, I want to ask you really quick, because this was going all over social media. Did you catch the comments made? regarding um, Anna Jay? Uh, I, I probably missed him. Okay, so here is, let me let me give you the, 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 the comment, and I want to get your thoughts on it. Um, just bringing it up right now. Because it was, I love JR. I, I love JR since the very beginning of me watching professional wrestling. But, you know, sometimes it, Sometimes just things get said that you're like, why would you do that? So he made a comment on, uh, on the pay-per-view. I can't remember when he said it, but he said, 
Did Anna Jay have a wardrobe malfunction or is that wishful thinking in my book? Um, oh, oh, JR. So, you know. Going full king. Yeah, he went full king, right? I was like going to say Lawler, Lawler must have been on the phone with him or something like that, making that comment. Because you would hear that from King. JR was always more straight-laced and stuff like that. So for me to hear him say that, and, and okay, let me be the first to say, like a lot of people were like, oh my gosh, you know, Anna Jay's only 22. Anna Jay's an adult, okay? She, she like, just stop. She is an adult. She, she dresses how she dresses. She's a good looking lady. That's fine. It's just more of those, one of those things where it's just like very misogynistic thing to say and stuff like that. And just JR to me carries himself a particular way that I would, I was actually quite surprised that he would have said that on national TV. And I was just like, yeah. JR, that's, that's not some, you, man. He says some weird stuff on Twitter. So he definitely has the, the wandering eye, the gaze, or, uh, and obviously he's from an older school of wrestling, but yeah, I think if you, you know, women's wrestling is trying to be more legitimized and and it should be, I mean, we saw a tremendous women's match. So I, I think, and it's a problem I have with WWE to this day, like the, over-sexualization of, of female stars, not the big-time stars so much, but other stars who were literally there just for that, mm. for the most part, right? Mandy Rose like, was that until people realized that she could wrestle. For a while, yeah. yeah. And Lana was that for a while. Lana still is that. And I get your catering to a portion of the fan base, but, uh, you know... Listen, JR and Shivani are from the same era. They right. announced together in WCW for a time, years and years ago. Would I imagine Tony Shivani ever saying something like that? No. I wouldn't I, even I imagine get that JR JR's saying at the, yeah. at the point in his career where he's like, I'm the old guy and I'll, I'll just say whatever. I, he's not at the top of his game anymore. I, I will say that. He's still, I still love JR. I think WWE shamefully wasted a good portion of what was left of prime JR years. Right. I, I, I will also say that I think Bell's palsy has definitely taken a toll on his announcing. Um, Cause you can it definitely, definitely tell has, him, yeah. yeah, you can all, he's got almost like a mumble in, in, in ways where it's, it's kind of t- not necessarily tough to understand what he's saying, but you, you he's almost stumbling over his words at times. Um, and not because he's just forgetting it. It's just, he's having trouble pronouncing things and you can definitely tell that it yeah. sometimes it plays. He, he benefits greatly from the three-man booth. I agree wholeheartedly. I agree 100%. So anyways, I just and, wanted to throw that out there because I thought that was a, a very weird comment. And, you know, Sammy Guevara obviously got just destroyed over the Sasha Banks comments over the summer. And I'm not saying that this is on the same level because it's not. But again, we're trying to take women's wrestling seriously. And then here we are basically, you know, yeah. He could have he could have admired her as eye candy in a with a different comment. Yeah, uh, just nobody needs to look at Jr. as the creepy old grandpa with the Playboys in his cupboard. Exactly. So we've already got we've already got King for that. We've already got King for that. And exactly. That's not something I'm 100 percent proud of. Anyways, we move on. We enjoy. We both. It seems to me we both enjoyed this eight-man tag very, very much. So here is 
Okay. When I say this, I, I hope people don't take it like I'm mean, trying to disrespect this match. But to me, I'm going to be honest. I was – so we had FTR challenging Kenny Omega and Hangman Adam Page for the AEW World Tag Team titles. And clearly the longest match of the night. Like it was a near half hour long. It was a, it's unbelievably long. But I'm going to be really careful when I say this to you, Tom. I thought that this was the most disappointing match of the night, and I'll tell you the reason why. This match was good, but this match had the opportunity to be great, and it misfired a couple of times. It was, it, it was overly long. There was too much focus on other things. Um, I don't think that the story of Hangman and Kenny Omega breaking up was hitting as many spots as it needed to because it's been going on for literally five months now. It, then, uh, yeah. yeah. They failed to pull the trigger on it a couple of times. I agree. And obviously it always felt inevitable because, I mean, I, I'm going to channel Ross here. Like tag teams that aren't actual tag teams are stupid. 100% agree. And both, both these guys have better things to do. And you're right. It wasn't the crispest, uh, the most crisp uh, FTR match we've seen with AEW, not even close. Not there even was a couple close. of stumbles. And again, the double finisher finish. Yeah, yeah. As soon as you talked about that, when, when we were talking about Jurassic Park, oh my God, Jurassic Express versus the Young Bucks, that was the thing. I was like, yo, they did the exact same thing in the Omega Page FTR match. It's, uh, I, you know, th this is one of the things I hate about lots of, lots of false finish wrestling. As much as I love most NXT and most AEW matches, mm -hmm. uh, this isn't even a false finish. It's just we know the finish is coming and you're doing it twice. Yeah. Because it's like uh, he's not coming to save him this second time. So you're just doing it again? Right. Like you're making him take another uh, spike pile driver for no reason? Yeah. Oh, by the way, I still hate pile drivers. I hate them. Uh, yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm cool with them doing pile drivers as long as they're always done safely. And obviously FTR can do a very safe pile driver and I'm okay with it. But I'll just be 100% honest with you. Shatter Machine was at one point the best move in tag team wrestling. And it sucks that they're not doing it anymore. I'd love for them to go ahead and bring that back because Shatter Machine is awesome. But they that did it uh, Wednesday, right? I know, but I think they're doing it as a signature move instead of instead of instead as their of finisher. Finish, yeah, yeah, and I'd really like for them to do it as their finisher because it's it's legitimately. It, it, I, I can't think of any other move in tag team wrestling right now that's better than that. I'm trying to think hard. Well, here's the big problem. The spike pile driver is the same move that Pentagon and Ray Phoenix do, except they do a, a, a package pile driver. Yes, and then, right. And so they do a pile driver. And then also the, the Young Bucks, isn't the Melter driver a tombstone? It's, it's but just a tombstone. It, it, it's, it's a tombstone, but it's the same thing. Yeah, one, of, one of the Bucks from, is, is, is spiking from the top rope. From the middle rope, yeah. It's, yeah. It's so they're all doing very similar moves. The Shatter yeah. Machine actually felt like original. And now uh, FTR has a lot of cool signature moves. Yes, they do. 
Uh, I think they're an incredible tag team. You watch them wrestle in AEW and you go, what was WWE doing? Yeah. I mean, they're the best best tag team in NXT history. Uh, And then you go over to Raw and then you see, or you go to a WWE pay-per-view and it's uh, the Viking Raider eating a giant turkey leg and you're like, oh, that's what they were doing. Uh, Yes. Yeah. (laughs) That's, That's what's going on here. Yeah, let it be known that the War Raiders, um, they are incredible. If you, if you incredible. want to enjoy, if you all, if you want to enjoy the War Raiders or the Viking Raiders, if you want to enjoy their glory days in WWE. Not, not, I'm not talking about Ring of Honor. I'm talking about their WWE glory days. Do me a favor, go and watch the very limited time that they were in NXT and see how tremendous they were. But let me be very clear. War games. Watch the war games. Watch the war games match and then watch NXT New York. Watch the NXT New York match with Aleister Black and Ricochet. That match is simply sensational. It is simply, utterly, incredibly sensational. Back to FTR and Omega and Page. Um, Adam Hangman Page is awesome. Adam Hangman Page is awesome. And I don't think that he gets anywhere near enough love because he was teaming with Kenny Omega, who is, by all accounts, in a lot of people's top six on the planet. There are say yeah. there are some people who say Kenny Omega is the best wrestler in the world. Um, I'm here to tell you that I believe he is strongly in my top six, but he's not my best wrestler in the world. But I I, I get it, and Kenny Omega is awesome. And I think that because he was because Hangman was teaming with Omega. I think Omega overshadows him, and I don't think people realize how good Hangman really is. And by the way, Hangman's another dude who is like in his mid twenties that you're like, where is AEW finding these guys? Yeah, and you know Hangman. There's a reason he got the first title match against Jericho because he's widely considered the future of AEW. Which three is one of the three dudes that are considered the future of AEW. Hangman, MJF, Jungle Boy. Yeah. Absolutely incredible dudes. I mean, and those two guys are going to be running the show in the next 10 years. Yeah. One of the dumbest things I, I always find about the Young Bucks, the way they criticize Hangman, it's like he's not good enough to be in the elite. It's like, no, he certainly is. Like, he's a singles wrestler that's already a star. And, you know, he comes into a match like uh, the stadium stampede and has the single coolest moment of the match. Rolling in with the horse, man. So uh, cool. He, he, here's the biggest failing in the match. Cause I liked it for the most part. I thought it was good. I did mm-hmm. see some hiccups for sure where it wasn't as smooth as it could have been. Did you leave the match thinking that the loss was hangman's fault? Because that's where the storytelling was trying to take us. And I was like, no, you just lost. Like, why are you mad at Hangman? He did everything he needed to do. Took the finish twice. You didn't save him. So what's the the problem here, Kenny? I thought this, it was a monumental failure of storytelling. It was dumb. It was really dumb. And then you had, you had Omega wanting to go ahead and blast him with that, like folded up table. And then he didn't. And I was like, okay, so you're about to turn Hangman. But then he turns around and says, I'm done. I'm done. It's like, what are yeah. you done with? Like he apologized to you and he busted his butt. Like in storytelling wise, he, he, Hangman busted his butt trying to prove to you, listen, I messed up by what I did last week. Let me prove to you 
that I like you are my friend and you guys are my boys. And he did. And then Omega was like, no, I'm done. It's like, well, yeah. why even show up to the match to begin with, Kenny? And he Kenny, was really weird. Kenny was the one who was like, okay, I'm still with this guy. The Bucks are the one who kicked him out of the elite. And then, the and then they're the ones trying to calm down trying to talk sense to Kenny. None of it worked. Uh, and FTR's promo basically cutting on Hangman and all the things that are wrong with him. And you have no self-confidence. You're a loser, blah, blah, blah. That didn't work for me either. Because at that point, you've got to rally around your teammate. And at the start of the match, Kenny doesn't want to even shake hands with the guy. I just didn't think it, it was not good storytelling. And it hurt the match because you, you knew where it was going right away. Like, you knew yeah. they were going to lose. Like, at least it's you could have had the, an air of, you know, plausible tonight. Like, oh, maybe, they, maybe they're going to win. Like, they're, right. they're back into it. But he was never into it the whole match. He begrudgingly high-fived and this, that, and the other. I didn't like it. was not good storytelling. But it's another conundrum they've had with Kenny Omega. I don't think they know what to do with him. He should be I, in the main event scene, but they can't put him in the main event scene. Yes. Well, so. well I, or maybe he doesn't want to be purposely in the main event scene because he yeah. wants to go ahead and give all these other players, you know, the platform, which I totally respect. But at the same time, you're too good to be left out in the background. But here's, here's the problem with Kenny Omega. Kenny Omega will then be criticized for basically giving all these other players the platform. But then if he were to take the platform, he would be criticized for taking the platform away from others. That's yeah. that that that's the you know and it's so it's it, I, I'm gonna actually defend Kenny Omega in this. I don't think that he's in a winning situation. Whatever he does, people people are gonna be like, "What are you doing, Kenny?" And yeah. that's it's frustrating because he's so good, and that's what it gets relegated to, and that's kind of unfair. If and I think were he not one of the executives of AEW in the background, I think people would be willing to give him a pass. Yeah, I think what you they know? need to do with him is the exact thing they were doing with him even when he was tag team champion, which is just putting him on Dynamite and having him wrestle the best match of the show. And considering we just had Thunder Rosa come over from NWA, why not just have Kenny go on tour and wrestle all sorts of people from different promotions, have them come to AEW, have them go there. It's only going to build your brand. It's going to build, you know, use that. Use that uh, the open door policy to have him say, we have what some people consider the best wrestler in the world. And the only way you're going to see him wrestle some of these people is on AEW. But we're giving back. We're letting him go face the best in the world elsewhere as well. I agree. Uh, I mean, you make an excellent point. But um, so, yeah, I, I, I'm sorry. This match was good, but I think that it – had the possibility of being much better. And not to mention, I'm not going to lie to you, Omega and Page versus FTR, it's dope. This wasn't the dream match people wanted to see, though. Like, they, they, they tried to really push this match and saying, like, this is a match that people really want to see. Like, yeah, it's cool, but I really wanted to see FTR versus the Young Bucks in a 25-minute match. And I barely got any of them on Dynamite. Like, this yeah. is the match that I wanted to watch. And... So I really I, I couldn't really get into it because I'm like I'd rather be watching FTR in the Bucks. So. You know, obviously that's coming. Oh, I think, it's definitely I think, coming. I think we're in agreement that our biggest disappointment was 
this wasn't as good as it could have been, although it was very good. It was very good. There was just a lot more untapped potential in this match. And basically, a lot of it is the bad storytelling. Weird storytelling. Sort of yeah, weird storytelling, and I hate the double finish. Can it was kind of dumb. not do that anymore? Yeah. AEW, just have the finishers mean something. Everybody's going to have to take two finishers. Doesn't need to happen twice on a show, certainly. Well, not, not to mention, I'll, I'll criticize this. Hangman Page takes a, a V trigger straight to the face, yet somehow manages to still kick out when FTR tried to pin him. Oh, he took yeah. a knee flush to the face, bro. Like you're speaking of which, yeah, you V triggered him in the face. It's your fault, Kenny. Don't be a crybaby. I know, right? That was weird <laughs> storytelling. It was it was a bitch move on Kenny, and I, Ross is gonna want to edit that out. And that's fine. I don't care. <laughs> it was just really odd. I didn't like it, and it is what it is. Now, the semi-main of this show, Orange Cassidy and Chris Jericho in a Mimosa Mayhem match that could be won by either pinfall submission or fully submerging your opponent into a vat of Mimosa. <sighs> in the words of Ross, boy, howdy, that I have a lot of fun watching this match. I really did. Now, here's here, – okay, this is I, – I, I will give it one critique, a really strong critique, and then I'll praise the rest of it. You had two really intense one-on-one matches between Cassidy and Jericho over the past two months. Um, and then for them to go ahead and settle a little rivalry in kind of a gimmick that is kind of funny, I didn't think was the right blow-off for this feud. And I would have appreciated something more meaningful and more intense between Cassidy and Jericho. Because, for the most part, this, this rivalry has actually been very intense. You have seen a yeah, completely different yeah. side of Orange Cassidy over the past few months that you never thought you'd see. Um, you saw him cut a great promo right before – was it Fighter Fest that they had their match? Or was it Fight for the Fallen? I think it was Fighter Fest. I'm getting mixed up on their weird names. I'm not they a big was, fan of their they, 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 they both had They both start with Fs, and they were like three weeks apart. It was crazy. And they were both on free television. Um, but anyways, so you had that great promo with, with Bischoff being the moderator and the debate. Um, that debate was good. The debate was incredible. Um, let, 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 let me be the first person to tell you I love that debate. It was amazing. It's one of the best promos of the year in any promotion. Um, but anyways, so you saw this different side of Cassidy. And for me to be able to fully enjoy the blow-off to this match, I would have thought that they would have given me something a bit more to enjoy. But that being said, it was too entertaining to ignore that I'm willing to go ahead and say, all right, cool, that's fine. And not to mention the right person won, because again, the whole purpose of this, the whole purpose of this was to get Orange Cassidy over and make him a main eventer, and I'll be Darned if you if people argue with me and say that he is not a main eventer after this. Orange Cassidy is for the most part a made man, and there's another one of those guys that's going to be. Uh, actually, I'll let you talk while I look up how old Orange Cassidy is because I do not think that he's that old. Thirty-six. No, I'm actually I'm actually kind of I'm, I'm surprised he's that old. I actually am too. Uh, regardless, he has he's my favorite gimmick going. Uh, I love Orange Cassidy. He's so much fun. Uh, the Jericho feud definitely works with a crowd. I have to. Yeah. yeah. The Jericho feud 
took him up a few notches. For sure. It worked out really nicely. I agree with your critique. Maybe you could have had it in a little more intense way, but at the same time, the gimmick was funny, but also interesting. Very much My so. only critique is there should no, should have been no pinfalls or submissions. Mm. It should have, you know, if you're going to have two giant vats of mimosas, <laughs> then it, that's the way it has to end. But they still found a way to make it work. Uh, it was still intense God. enough, too. Yeah, like uh, they had some good spots. Power round through the table. Uh, the code breakers, dude. The, the yeah, Jericho's I mean, code right, right off the bat, like, and speaking of which, I mean, like he could have went for the pin. And that, and this isn't a double finish critique, but like the whole thing was he was talking about how much he was going to punish Orange Cassidy. Yeah. And so like he was really brutalizing him. So the storytelling of the match was good. Like they these two guys have a good chemistry together. They they work well together. Over three matches, they've done a very nice job. The beauty of Jericho is he just knows he knows how to lead the dance. He He's gets one of the it. Best. He he gets everything. How to structure. Uh, you know, from the promos to the spots beforehand. I mean, like beating him with a sack of oranges. Brilliant. Getting the orange juice dumped on his head like the bloodbath. Shout out to Gangrel. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, everything. Everything about this feud worked. It was great long-form storytelling. And I thought this was a really, you know, could they have finished it in a more intense way? Certainly but it was perfect for sort of the running theme of the feud. Yeah. I so. agree hundred um, percent. Orange Cassidy has a very underrated Superman punch too. Um, That's better than Romans. 100%. You know, a lot of, I hear a lot of people say that. I still think Romans is a little bit better just because his size fits it a little bit more. Um, yeah. But I think that there's a bit more explosiveness out of Cassidy. Just a bit, just a smidge. Um, he, he brings the heat. On that old he does. Super <laughs> he really does. Uh, but yeah, Orange Cassidy has quickly become one of those gimmicks in, in pro wrestling that I thoroughly appreciate. It makes me laugh. I actually get hyped up when I see him do, you know, his kicks to the leg of people um, where he's just like, bop, bop. Yep, the whole thing. Uh, it, just, it just gets me pumped. The pockets, the thumb. It's, it's so great. And then, you know, pockets right in. Just rearrange the sunglasses really quick. It's fantastic. I, he, I thoroughly uh, enjoy it. He's delivered in everything, like everything they've asked of him. Like when he had to, when he wrestled Pac, ah, delivered. He he knows how to turn up to crank it up to eleven. I he's a fun gimmick. He would really be killing it with with full crowds right now because he was killing it before. Yeah, he would. I mean, he he's been killing it. Um, It'll be very interesting to see once the crowds are starting to let in a little bit more. Um, I hope he doesn't lose the momentum. I doubt that he will. I really doubt that he will. Um, well, we'll see what happens next for him. Yes. Oh, that that well, that's so the other. It's a big. Thing. It's a really big thing. From, where do you go next? Because I don't think he's going into the title scene anytime soon. But no. he's already beat Jericho. It's like, well, he beat Jericho. Like, who do you have him beat? Because there's nobody else that's bigger than Jericho in AEW not named John Moxley. There's just I mean, not. Uh, I'd love for him to wrestle MJF. I think MJF I would, would cut one heck of a heel promo on him about 100%. how big like of a slacker he, he is. 
if if you thought if you thought Jericho completely went to town on him promo wise, like MJF is going to have another thing coming to him, and it's going to be glorious to watch. Um, yeah. I would tell you maybe the TNT title, but Brody Lee needs to hang on to that a little bit longer. Yeah, he's they're booking him so strong, like yeah, he just wrecked Dustin, Killed too. Him. So, I mean, he's going to end up wrestling one of these bigger guys. For sure. And, you know, they can all fly, so it's going to be awesome. But, yeah, it's a, it's another thing. It's like, what do you do now? Like, you had this great feud, which I'm almost certain will be in, like, pro wrestling uh, insiders, like, top feuds of the year. I'm almost certain. I, I can't think of something yeah. off the top of my head that I've had more fun with yet. Orton, Orton and McIntyre certainly is a good approach. Definitely different. They carry on. Yeah. Much different. It's more traditional. But Orton's been so good, it's hard to like – Ignore him. Yeah, he's just been too good. So yeah. No, so shout out to Cassidy. Jericho basically did the honors, and uh, Orange Cassidy took, had the opportunity and ran with it. I think that's what needs to be acknowledged. And so well done to Cassidy. Well done to Jericho. It was a really entertaining match. I liked it, and it deserved to be the semi-main event of the show. We are now to the main event of the evening in a 60-minute time limit. Good old John Moxley defending what I believe to be probably the best-looking world title in all of pro wrestling today. Yes, including the NXT Championship. And I love the way that the NXT Championship looks. But John Moxley defending against MJF um, with the paradigm shift banned for the evening. Um, so, overall thoughts on this match. It was slow, but I was an okay slow to me. Um, there was really good story being told by both these guys. Um, and it was really, really refreshing. Um, whereas some of the other matches, like, you know, we talked about FTR and Omega and Page, that there was a story, but the story didn't make sense. The story made all the sense in the world in this match. Um, the one thing I will say, I thought MJF bled completely unnecessarily. Like, I didn't think he, this was even the match for him to bleed. This was their first match ever. Like, I can understand that they, that they both bled on Dynamite, and maybe that's the reason why they needed to go ahead and pull the trigger on that but they probably shouldn't have even bled on dynamite. Like, I don't think that the story warranted enough. It warranted it enough at that point, and it damn sure didn't warrant it enough in the match. But take that away. I thought that this match was dope. I thought this match was, was had a lot of great things to it. Um, I love the fact that Moxley still ended up hitting paradigm shift anyways with the ref having his back turned because the whole time Wardlow is trying to go ahead and get the diamond ring over to MJF so he can clock Mox and Mox outsmarts him because he basically it's like, hey, Wardlow's got the ref, so <laughs> sorry. Paradigm shift, baby. Um, I thought the 23, mat, the 23 minutes was also well-paced. It did not feel overly long. Um, I thought that was a good time limit. And to be fair, when you look at it, I thought Moxley retaining was the right move because I just don't know. I don't think that MJF, not that he's ready. I just don't think that it's his time yet. There's a difference between not being ready and it not being your time. Um, 
MJF's time is coming very, very soon, and I'm very much looking forward to it. But most importantly, it keeps MJF strong, man. It did, yeah. So I, I like this match a lot. Again, this is a, a fine example of how announcing, when properly done, can enhance the story being told. A lot of it was about MJF being the more technically proficient and sound wrestler, but always be in danger, always being in danger of Moxley dragging him into his world, which is the brawling outside the ring uh, fisticuffs. Yep. And they they played on that huge. Um, I I thought I thought they did a very nice job overall. I think MJF, you're right. He's certainly capable of being champion, but it's not his time to be champion. He's still a young guy. This match will only further, you know, the the buzz about him because it ended in a perfect way. He tried to cheat, he gets cheated. It's great. Like Wardlow overtosses the ring. Maybe you get a scenario now where they break up because Wardlow yeah. failed him so miserably. And then he uses the paradigm shift, but that also means this feud, which we mentioned before, unlike most of Moxley's feuds, is certainly going to carry on, which is a good thing. Uh, I think it, it is one of MJF's top matches so far within AEW. I think he and Jungle Boy was my favorite because it was two young kids who are clearly rising stars giving it their all. Mm-hmm. But kudos to Mox, man. He, he, he sold it. He sold it super well. He, yes, bludgeoned and, and beat the crap out of MJF for a lot of the match, but he also sold that MJF was getting the better of him in a oh, lot yeah, of the dude, technical uh, exchanges. The selling of the, of the left arm. The arm being great. hurt. And yeah. he won through basically sheer blunt force uh, because MJF was uh, getting the better of him in a lot of the mat wrestling stuff. Uh, I, I mean, the ceiling for MJF is incredibly high. The ceiling for Moxley has always been high. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a feud like this, keeping this going will just further enhance his title run. He needs a guy like MJF who is such a despicable heel, is loathsome in all the best ways for heel, is great on the mic, and it makes him almost Stone Cold-esque to just be the guy that hands over a can of W.A. Mm-hmm. And only has to say a few things and be the smart aleck and witty retort guy while the chicken heel spouts off at the mouth and cuts incredible promos. Right. I loved it. Great match. Well-paced. No stupid uh, double finish type stuff. (laughs) Exactly. Right. Paradigm shift. Just he hits it. You're done with. Um, And he was, and, and you felt like he could lose at multiple points. Felt like he might lose. When Ross and I were both picking this match last week, we really were very cognizant of the fact that of like, if 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 MJF wins this match, I'm cool with it. If MJF loses this match, I'm cool with it. And it was just one of those things of like, how it's how do you follow up with it? And again, MJF is so young. 
Like that's that's MJF's problem. I can't believe I'm saying this. MJF ran into the fact he got too good too quickly. That's that's and it's it's a weird critique, and it's not even a critique against him. It's just the fact he got too good too quickly, and it's just like we have no other choice but to run him up the main event roster because he's that damn good. And it, it, his time is coming. 2021 is going to be MJF's year, and it's going to be something to look forward to. And going back to the MJF versus Jungle Boy match from Double or Nothing, that mat, those two had no right of making that match anywhere near as good as it ended up being. They had no right, and they just were like, oh, we have the right. We're about to go ahead and just slap you with our yeah. right hand right now. It was unbelievable how good that match was at Double or Nothing. Yeah, uh-huh. if you think about MJF and you were like top five feuds so far in AEW, uh-huh. he's at least two of them. Him oh, betraying Cody so. and this one. Agreed. Sky's the limit. MJF, I think that the comparisons to The Miz are, are well-founded. Um, I understand why people think that he's better than The Miz because he's better in ring than The Miz, and, I, and I'm on that train. Um, and because he's so young, uh, you know, it, it's like you can't really compare him to The Miz because Miz wasn't doing this at 24. Miz wasn't even in the WWE at 24. Um, you know, it, he was on. Yeah. He was doing the st- stuff on MTV as a re- even though he was a wrestling fan, he wasn't anywhere near close to getting his WWE contract yet. So it's he's just ahead of the curve. Um, yeah, MJF. Absolutely incredible. Got nothing but great things to say about him. Mox just killing the game continuously. Um, again, it's him, him and Drew McIntyre are like nearly neck and neck currently as best world champion in pro wrestling right now. I still give the slight edge to McIntyre, but damn, Mox is doing a great job. I can't, you can't go wrong with Mox and the stuff that he's doing yeah. right now. I, I'll say one more thing about MJ. One of the things I love most about him is he is a young wrestler, but he carries the old school wrestler mentality and he's always in gimmick. And obviously we all know wrestling is a work, but I love the K the kayfabe. I love them keeping the, the separation between real life and wrestling life. Uh, when you and I eventually do our breakdown of the last ride, that is the biggest thing that sticks out to me is how important it was to the mystique of the taker to always be the taker. I love that MJF is never turned off. I know people are like, Oh, I can't believe he flipped off the kid. It's like, no, he should have flipped off the kid. He is a heel. Jericho told a great story about when he was champion. It was like 2007 ish when he came back and he was in the suits and he was always cutting these promos on how stupid people are and there was a kid in an elevator with him and he asked him for his autograph and Jericho wouldn't even look at the kid because he had to stay within the character and he felt really bad about it. But at the same time, you know what? In wrestling, you sell something that isn't real. And sometimes it takes work outside the ring, just like it takes work inside the ring. I love that about MJF. MJF is absolutely killing it. I know that he had an incredible promo that he kind of, I think, with either what culture or cultaholic late last week, uh, last week, right before um, All Out, and it went viral, and it's absolutely incredible. 
MJF, I'm telling you, man, dude is something special, and he's going to be a force to be reckoned with in the next five years. Him, Hangman, Jungle Boy, Orange Cat, like these guys are coming. Actually, that's a lie. That's a lie, Tom. They're already here. They're here, yeah, yeah. and and they are just going to be a force to be reckoned with. Dude, we just went through All Out. How? So overall thoughts, again, it, it, it was slow, and it became something better. It ended up turning out much better than what the beginning of it made you think it was going to be. There was a lot of hiccups, but the second half of this show really made up for the trip-ups from the beginning of it. Yeah, it was looking like it was going to be like a 4 out of 10. It wound up like a 7.5 out of 10. I'm willing to give it a 7 out of 10, too, I'm willing, because you're right. Uh, at the beginning of the show, um, the, the Battle Royal, um, you know, obviously the Hardy Guevara stuff, and even the Young Bucks and, Jungle, and Jurassic Express, it was kind of blah. And I think Hikaru Shida and Thunder Rosa really turned it around and allowed this show to progress in a much stronger fashion, ending in a, with, with a very strong uh, world title match between Mox and MJF. Um, so before we are out of here, um, we've got a couple minutes left. Um, just to let everybody know, Ross is going to be back next week. Ross, when you listen to this towards the end, we missed you, buddy. Again, sorry for the inconvenience of you having internet problems over there, but looking forward to having you back. You know I love you. But at the same time, Tom, thanks for coming by, dude. Thank you very much for helping me out because Lord knows um, going hour and 45, two hours by myself, um, it would have been trash. I needed somebody to go ahead and balance off of, and you're my boy. You're always amazing. So thank you very much for being such a great guest host tonight, man. I really, really appreciate it. Well, I, I appreciate uh, you asking me to come on. Uh, I was I was excited to talk about All Out because I, as much as I wanted to talk about the highs of All Out, I did want to talk about the lows of it. And it needed, I, it I, said. I hope it's a lesson they'll learn from and never repeat, ever. Yeah. Ever. Don't don't uh, don't let people go ahead and jump off fifteen feet with nothing around you. That's just not yeah, no. smart thinking. Um, you do you got? Uh, I asked you to do this. Um, you got any recommend recommendations for for everybody who's listening to TDT? Okay, so I'll give you a, a wrestling doc recommendation. Oh. Uh, there's a couple actually, but 360 or 350 days is wrestling documentary about basically 70s, 80s wrestlers and how often they were on the road and sort of the, the toll it took on them uh, and sort of just the grind of that lifestyle interviews with all manner of folks, Brett, the Hitman Hart, superstar, Billy Graham, Abdullah, the butcher, obviously rest in peace. He's passed away now. Ted DiBiase. Uh, those are just to name a few. Uh, Greg, the hammer Valentine. They interview a lot of guys. It's all about the toll life on the road takes on not only your body, but your family, how it leads to substance abuse issues for a lot of the guys. It's a good doc. It's free on Amazon prime right now, uh, or, uh, IMDb TV, which is part of Amazon Prime. So that's free. And new one just came out. We all remember the loathsome decision to make David Arquette WCW champion. Well, David Arquette uh, came back to wrestling recently to try and legitimize himself in the eyes of wrestling fans. 
and he's been wrestling at indie shows. I talked about it when uh, we did Ready to Rumble on Hops and Box Office Flops, how he got stabbed in the neck with a with a fluorescent light bulb. <laughs> but they did a documentary. Uh, you, it's something like you can't kill David Arquette, and it's all about his return to wrestling. Uh, you got to respect the guy. You know, he's taking it super seriously, dude. Yeah, and it's a good documentary. It's it's. I mean, it's hard to watch it and not be like, wow, that guy does care about what pro wrestling is. This was never his fault, the booking decision to make him WCW champion and to sort of embarrass the title in that way. And the guy, you know, comes back late in life. You know, you can find some of his wrestling matches on YouTube. I mean, the one where he gets stabbed in the neck, the hardcore match, which obviously not a great decision, right. but that's online. He wrestles Colt Cabana. Is he the greatest wrestler in the world? Absolutely not. But hats off to the guy because he he puts it all out there. And he didn't ever want to make a mockery of wrestling. He loves wrestling. So that's my other yeah. Those are my two. 350 days and you can't kill David Arquette. If you're a wrestling fan, I think you'll like them both quite a bit. I love it, dude. I love it. Uh, quick recommendations from me. Um, first of all, rest in peace to Chadwick Boseman. Uh, I, I said it last week, and you guys had a wonderful tribute on your last episode on Hops when you guys did your uh, uh, Mall Rats episode that just dropped last weekend. Shout out to that one. That was actually a really good episode. I thoroughly enjoyed listening to it. Um, so I say go on to Disney Plus and watch Civil War, watch Black Panther, watch um, Endgame, watch Infinity War, and just cry a little bit. That's cool with me. Um, watch 42, um, anything involving him. I mean, he's such a tremendous actor that we lost such a, just such a young, young, I mean, he's 43 years old and man, he had a lot more to give, but honestly, he was awesome. And, um, the no time to die new trailer dropped last week. And now, you know, you got Casino Royale and Quantum Solace on Netflix. Go watch that because, no Time to Die is about to be serious fire when it drops in two months' time. I am very excited for that. Movies very excited. I love James Bond movies. Yes, and Daniel Craig is probably top two James Bonds. I think a lot of people will agree. Yeah, I think I'd give it to Connery. Connery's got the edge. Uh, yeah. He'd be the best. I love all the James Bonds. They um, each brought their, their own special flavor. They each, yeah. They each have their own, uh, you know, benefits that, and, and things, the interesting things they brought to the character. Obviously, Lazenby didn't have enough time, but it's a good movie that he was in. Yeah. So, so that, that, that's my recommendations for, for everybody. Um, real quick, again, Ross should be back next week. Hopefully, hopefully he's not having any more internet uh, issues. But again, Boss Ross, miss you, buddy. Catch you next week. Um, Please, for the love of the good Lord and everything that is holy, listen to Hops and Box Office Flops whenever you have some time. Because, again, Tom the Thunderous Wizard, Captain Cash, Chumpzilla, killing the game over there. I love this show. I can't stress it enough how much I love listening to you guys. I can't stress enough how pumped I am and Ross is for us to go back, talking to Dukes of Hazard in a couple weeks' time. That's going to be absolute fire. Um and then, yeah, go catch them on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio. You told us last time you were on here. Where else? Yeah, uh, Stitcher, uh, Acast, TuneIn. I mean, you know, Google it. We're, we're on most platforms. Uh, and, again, on social, 
Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Hops and B.O. Flops. Uh, and if you want to talk wrestling with me, at Writer TLK on Twitter. Um, and, yeah, stay tuned. Wild Wild West coming up. That That's the end of our 90s movies. Then we're doing Idiocracy because we're strange times we're living in. And uh, <laughs> then we welcome back the double turn guys for Dukes of Hazard. I'm excited. It's so weird being here without, without uh, Boss Ross. I know, man. I miss my boy, and it's just frustrating that he had all those issues going on. But that being said, make sure you give us a follow, uh, the Double Turn Podcast on Instagram, uh, Ross the Real Boss 85 on Instagram, the one and only JMan19. Uh, Ross has a Twitter that he barely uses, which is Boss Ross TDT. Um, you can find uh, you can find this a lovely podcast. At least I think it is pretty lovely. Um, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Radio Public, Breaker. Um, Anchor, CastBox, Pocket Cast, and a couple of other places. Um, check us out. Give us a review. Give Hops and Box Office of Hop Flops a good review on, on Apple. We'd really appreciate it. We love working with one another, and we love repping one another. Um, it's just we're a couple of wrestling fans just trying to go ahead and make do in this crazy, crazy time. That being said, I hope everybody has a lovely rest of their weekend. In the words of my good friend, Boss Ross, because last time I did this, he did not like it the way that I did it because he thought that I didn't have enough energy. So, for Boss Ross, for Tom the Thunderous Wizard and Hops, Hops, and, Bo and, Hops and Box Office Flops, I am the J-Man, and we shall catch you guys on the flip side. Peace. Peace.